Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. And one of the things that we've been asked to talk about from the very beginning of our show is how to talk about dating as a therapist. Now, Katie, I've been married for, well, going back to before grad school, I know that you've been married for a very long time as well. Very, very long time. I don't think that either of us can really speak about this from a personal experience or with any level of on the ground <laughs> expertise. So today we have our guest, Malin Umo. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Brooklyn who specializes on relational issues, but she's been so kind to join us today as far as being able to talk about what it's like to be dating as a therapist. So thank you for joining us today, Malin. No problem. Hi, everybody. We're very glad to have you here. I know you and Kurt went to grad school together. Is that right? We did. Yes. We were in the same cohort at Pepperdine. Nice. Nice. Excellent. So I don't know you. And so to start out before Kurt starts jumping into a million questions, tell us a little bit about who you are and, you know, kind of your practice, what you're putting out in the world, and then we'll start grilling you on dating as a therapist. (laughs) Okay. So as Kurt said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, Brooklyn, New York, serving the New York City population. And I have a private practice here in Brooklyn where I specialize primarily in relationship issues. So I see couples, married couples, people who are dating to work on communication and other relationship issues. I also see a lot of people who are transitioning from relationships, such as uh, working on divorce recovery and breakup recovery or trying to change a consistent pattern of relationships that are unhealthy and trying to get to the root of that so that people can move forward and, and find relationships that are actually going to work for them. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's found my niche, which has been really great. And one of the things that I know has long been discontinued, but you had the blog Psych and the Single Girl for the very long time, which was a phenomenal way to watch you (laughs) and your approach to dating. And it's really what made me think of you in the first place, because this is kind of a vulnerable topic to bring up to a lot of therapists. Like, hey, do you want to come out and put out to the world what it's like to be a therapist and be dating. And since you had done that, I am so grateful that you've come to share some of that experience. So can you tell us and tell our listeners, how does being a therapist affect how one goes about dating? First of all, I really do miss that blog, Psych and the Single Girl, and I love that you remembered it. (laughs) (laughs) Because if there's Um, anything about being a married therapist from before even grad school, it's being worried about being a single girl and on the dating scene. (laughs) 
Okay. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of the issues that you know a single therapist might deal with are the same issues that most single people deal with, especially you know in in a big city type of setting. We are trained and we have experience in really getting to know someone, really trying to like analyze their issues. And sometimes I think for therapists, it's hard to turn that off. It, trying to be open-minded and just kind of see people for who they are instead of trying to constantly analyze, okay, well, why, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? I feel like that is something that can be really difficult for a therapist. I also think because we are kind of conditioned to be listeners, that it's easy to get into relationships with people who are talkers and don't really know how to give that back to us. So I know that's something that I feel like I'm kind of predisposed to finding people who can just go on forever and ever and ever and talk about themselves. And I'm perfectly happy to listen, but you know, the beg the question of, okay, this is a different kind of relationship than a client. There's different kinds of boundaries that need to be set. And I think trying to establish those boundaries in a different kind of relationship is what can be hard for a therapist. What kind of boundaries are you talking about? Being not just a, being a listener, but being listened to, you know, mm -hmm. being a giver and also being a receiver. Do you ever hide the fact that you're a therapist when, or did you ever hide the fact that you were a therapist when you're dating? And if so, how many dates in would you tell them? Because I, I actually think of this as like, I don't even tell Uber drivers that I'm a therapist. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I feel like I end up in therapy sessions with Uber drivers all the time. Mm -hmm. I used to. I definitely went through a period of about a year, and this was a few years back, where let's say, for instance, in, in a setting where I'm out and about, maybe you know, hanging out with friends at a bar or in a social setting, it got really old sometimes You know, telling people what I did because I feel like there were two immediate reactions. It's like, oh are you analyzing me right now? Mm -hmm. And, or there's the, I need you to analyze me right now. Can you please tell me about this, this, and that? And <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy my wine and <laughs> I'm off the clock kind of a thing. So I did go through a period where I told people that I met who approached me that I was unemployed. And oh my goodness. I, I know, I know it sounds really weird, but it was actually a fantastic period because it became less about you know, where I went to school and what I did for a living and all of these like, oh, you're a therapist, so you obviously must be, you know, A, B, and C to just kind of getting to know me and mm. vice versa. You know, so you would think that saying you're unemployed would be, oh, like you're not relationship material, but actually people were very interested. What do you do with your days? You know, oh, I've been reading a lot of books lately. Oh, what books do you like? You know, so it really <laughs> evolved the conversation. <laughs> You know, I think just for fun, you know, I wasn't looking for serious relationships at that time. So I really didn't see a problem with it. I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend that for someone who is really trying to find a significant other, but just for casual dating, I found it to be very fun. Um, I also, when I was app dating, I would not put therapist in my bio. I would put self-employed because that's the truth. Yes. I was self-employed. I am self-employed. But I feel like, A, it allows some time during the first date when you meet face-to-face -to, -face to explore more instead of kind of getting caught up on, okay, so this is who you are based on an app and I'm going to choose whether or not I see you based on these criteria. I think it's better just to kind of be a little vague and then meet someone in person 
you have a more authentic sense of who someone is that way. So, so I got married long before apps and things, and and I got married before MySpace was really a thing. So this is kind of the <laughs> the whole app dating world to me is very phenomenal. As a therapist, when you're going through those apps, are you are you reading into what other people are putting on maybe more than some of your friends who don't come from that therapy background? Are you picking out issues or you're seeing profiles that you're like, oh, they're definitely compensating for this other aspect of themselves. <laughs> are you asking if she's therapizing the profiles? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm writing them down. I'm keeping spreadsheets and everything. No, I'm not, not doing it. Well, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing it any more actually than, than uh, just a typical person who's not a therapist. And I've actually discussed this with friends in the past who have been app dating and we all kind of have similar red flags when it comes to app dating in terms of such as if, if someone has say Tinder or Bumble where it's very photo based, but if they have no kind of no kind of bio at all, not a sentence, not a word, not something that describes who they are, it's just photos, you know, that's kind of a left swipe. You know, you want to know uh, something about someone, you know, if you don't even have the time to produce a sentence, <laughs> you know, it's probably best to just, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. So, you know, sir, I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, people have pictures of themselves with their shirts off and all the pictures, you know, I, I have the same kind of inclination. Are they overcompensating? But it's not just me. I feel like that's you know, the lay person as well. So. What would you do or what, what, uh, or have you ever come across clients on these apps? I haven't. Thank goodness. No, but if I did, <laughs> I certainly would swipe left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the um, the good thing about these apps is that no one knows whether or not they're matched if someone shows them or not unless you match each other. Uh, so if I saw a client on an app and if I were to swipe right, right, there's the chance that they could have swiped right and then we match, and that is not okay. You know, yeah. it's just it's unprofessional. It's it's awkward. So I think that you know, I would just swipe left and, and keep it moving with the client. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. What if the client saw you and either swiped right or left, but you know, there's, there's a potential that they could see you on these apps. Are there ways that you manage your profile or manage conversations in session or that you would recommend doing if you're dating as a therapist, if that's a possibility? Because it seems like there's, there's this different community that you're meeting in that gives a lot more information than if somebody sees you at you know, the local store, right? 
Right. Yeah, that's very true. And I could see that there would be potential of a client seeing me or seeing another therapist and wanting to bring that up in session. I think if it came up in session, I would, you know, listen to what the client had to say and I would ask them how it felt, what it was like for them to see their therapist on an app, you know, Mm -hmm. what that brought up for them and see what they said about it. You know, I think that that's the most important part is that, you know, if the client is bringing it up in session, there must be a reason why. And let's explore that. You know, it's not something that you don't have to address your private life as a therapist to your client. But I think that it's important to hear the client out and how they feel and also support that. You know, I understand it might have been difficult for you to see me on the app. You know, therapists, we are people too. I say this all the time to Mm -hmm. not necessarily clients, but my friends, but, you know, therapists are people too. We have lives outside of the office and just try to make that clear. It's different, I think, if a client is not only seeing you on an app, but realizes that you're single because of the app and then wants to make advances towards you, which brings up a whole nother (laughs) issue. I mean, it can be rich clinical material, but I think that there's oftentimes, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess this is more of a question. Does, does that, or should that impact how therapists write their profiles? I mean, obviously, you know, suggestive pictures or, or, you know, how you talk about yourself, if it's possible that a client could see you, I don't know how likely it is, but if it's possible, does that, or should that impact how therapists write their profiles? I think so. I think that it doesn't have to have a huge impact, but I think that in social media, that's open to everyone, you know, you can hide yourself on Facebook, you can hide yourself on Instagram, but on an open social media platform, you do have to remember that you're representing yourself and and your brand in a way and want to be professional still, but also wanting to be your authentic self. So I think that, you know, maybe you don't want to have a bunch of pictures of yourself, you know, out binge drinking and, you know, (laughs) you may not want to have pictures of your children. If you have children and you're a single parent and you're trying to get back out there and you may, you know, want to be mindful about what it is that you write in your biography, you know, not disclosing too many personal details, you know, disclosing some personality information just to see if you can click with someone. And then once you do match with someone, leaving the details in the private conversation that you can have after you match someone in the app and also for the date itself. I also wonder if there's a space in your social media policies and your informed consents to address some of this as well, that you could put in there something to the effect of you may see me on social media platforms, dating apps, whatever. And since you're my client, the boundaries are our professional relationship and I will never respond back to you in any platform. And I'm wondering if that's something that you've ever considered or have an opinion on for other people who might be in those situations. I never thought of that in that way. I think it's an excellent idea. I, um, Because the neighborhood in Brooklyn that I live in is very close-knit, and a lot of my clients that I see live in this neighborhood or neighborhoods immediately adjacent, I do let my clients know that because I literally live across the street from my office, I'm in the neighborhood, that there's a chance that they may see me out and about in the neighborhood. And the rules applying to that, whereas I'm, you know, not going to approach you, I'm not going to say hi to you first, just in terms of protecting your confidentiality and how that works. So I say it in, I say it uh, verbally, but I have not really put that in writing. Um, And I have not 
put it um, in terms of social media presence and, and how that might influence it. But I actually think it's a great idea, Kurt. Good idea, Kurt. <laughs> I'm good for one of those every so often. <laughs> um, are there any perks about being a therapist who's dating? I think the perk, one of the perks is because we, we have a lot of insight into and teach communication skills. One of the biggest issues people have in relationships is communication. So I would like to think as a therapist that you can go into a relationship and be a little bit more mindful about how you're communicating with your partner. And because you have those skills, you teach those skills. And, you know, I know that they say those that, those that can't do teach, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe technically it's the opposite, but I feel that, that my communication skills and what I've learned as a therapist and being able to help other people does help me in relationships, be more open to people, uh, more open-minded to people. Also, I think that it, it allows you to be able to see people who may be a negative influence or unhealthy influence in your life a little bit quicker. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Right. Yeah. So, you know, those, those uh, skills of being an analyzer do come in handy. You don't want to overanalyze in the beginning, which is something that people ask me a lot. You know, are you constantly analyzing your dates that you go on? And in the beginning, I would say the answer is no first, second, third type dates. And it's not even on purpose. It's just when you meet someone new, when you're out and about, you're just really trying to enjoy the atmosphere. You're really trying to get to know someone. You're having fun and it's fine. I think that the analyzing can actually come the more you delve deeper into the relationship, the longer it goes and the more you start to learn about someone's subtle quirks or their subtle nuances or their family history and trying to just figure out, okay, so this is why you do those things that might annoy me, you know, it, it comes from this, um, or these things that make me really happy, you know, it's, you start to kind of analyze more. So I've seen myself doing that in my most recent relationship where the first, the first six months were just, you know, super fun and just trying to get to know each other and, you know, that whole honeymoon phase. And, and now that, you know, we're kind of out of that, you know, things are still nice, but I definitely catch myself being a little analytical. Okay. So this is why it takes you 15 minutes to wash one glass. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> <laughs> I know that this definitely hits your wheelhouse as far as the typical client populations that you work with in your practice, but specifically to therapists who are looking in that early career part of their lives, whether it's grad school, whether it's during their pre-license hours where they're looking to establish themselves professionally. Do you have any advice for them on getting into relationships or looking for establishing relationships when they might be working really long hours in a profession that, at least as listeners of our show know, that for people who don't work in our profession, that there's a lot of people who don't understand what we do. So the long hours, mm -hmm. the burden that we bring in, maybe even some of the student loan debts that we're carrying as far as like, mm -hmm. hey, I owe a couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm, I'm good long-term relationship material. <laughs> Uh, what what kind of advice do you have for people who are early in our career as approaching long-term relationships? I would say that early in your career, it's important to take your time with these things and focus on self-care. Um, in the beginning of your career, you know, you're working a lot of times in agency work, making very little money for very long hours, as you said. And, you know, for a lot of us trying to pay off student loans, and it, it can become very stressful. 
and it's easy to find outside comforts for that. But in the, at the end of the day, you still have to deal with these issues and you don't want to take all of your anxieties and all of your frustrations into a relationship. You really want to take care of yourself first. So I think just from my own experience, I waited a little while. I mean, obviously I'm still single. I mean, so, but I, I definitely took some time off of the dating scene in the beginning just because it was uh, a very stressful time. And I wanted to make sure that I kind of found my own happy, probably sounds really cliche, but I had to get myself organized, get myself together and make sure that you know, I was paying my student loans, that I was able to establish a schedule for myself with work and also be able to have time to take care of myself, whether that's going out with friends and being social or doing yoga, exercising, things that I need to be able to fit in my schedule before I can add someone else into the mix. So I think that it can be scary because if you, for instance, have student loan debt and you're going to be paying it off for a while, you can ask yourself, well, when is the right time? How long should I be waiting until I want to meet someone and, you know, settle down. So I think that not to rush is probably the best advice that I could give and make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that you get yourself in line and your self-care goals met prior to trying to go out on the dating scene. I love that because I think oftentimes there's expectations for, that's societal expectations on you know, marriage and kids and career and all of these different things. And that feels like it's really shifting, but there's still some of these leftover expectations that people will try to start diving into everything all at once. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to establish yourself in your career and, and with your self-care practices makes a lot of sense before you add anybody else to the mix. Both Kurt and I already had somebody else in the mix. So we didn't have that. that (laughs) (laughs) We had support, which was nice, but right. You know, didn't necessarily have that piece. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. And so I guess the, the question I have is when someone has done that, when they when they've really been able to establish themselves professionally, even if it's kind of the initial establishing, I think we all evolve as we continue to grow in our career, but, mm-hmm. but they've established themselves professionally. They've, they, they're able to take care of themselves. You know, they've individuated, they've done th- the work they needed to do as an individual. And now they're looking to find a longer term relationship and they're a therapist. How do you suggest they kind of start out on that journey? I recommend this to clients as well. I'm not someone who loves app dating or online dating, but I certainly think it's a fantastic way to get yourself back out there on the dating scene, Mm -hmm. to start practicing, if you will, just how to date again. You know, if you've been off the market for a while, you know, things change and, you know, you forget how the whole scene goes. And so I think that app dating is a great way to meet new people and get yourself back out there and start to feel comfortable again meeting people. And also putting yourself in situations where you're more likely to meet someone, such as if there's activities that you'd like to do that can be translated into group activities. In New York, there's a lot of um, sports leagues and volunteer opportunities. There's all sorts of things in the city that you can do to be around and meet new people. So I recommend that. And then also just kind of being patient, <laughs> which is, <laughs> you know, I, I really, I had a lot of fun with that dating when I was doing it. 
but I've also for myself, um, I cannot speak for anyone else because I do have quite a few friends that have met their husbands and wives on app and online, match.com, Tinder, Bumble, all of those things. So it, it certainly does work. I have found that for me personally, my best connections happen when I meet someone, what they call organically, just kind of out and about. And that's how I met my current boyfriend together for about a year now. Just wasn't looking, you know, I, I'd done the whole, you know, let's get back on the apps and let's learn how to date again. And that was great. And then I kind of took a break and said, you know, I'm just going to travel. I'm going to have fun and not really think about it and worry about it. And then he showed up and (laughs) that's where I am now. So thanks, hon, (laughs) for listening. (laughs) Well, and congratulations for the relationship and being, being a beacon that things do work out for people is moving from the, the couple of different types of dating that you have described kind of the non-serious just looking for fun looking for kind of short-term sort of things into more serious relationships with your particular practice does this kind of stuff come up in sessions with clients how much do you self-disclose about your dating experience and your relational transitions with clients who are going through relational transitions themselves I don't do a lot of self-disclosure I haven't really found it necessary I mean, my clients know that, I mean, I obviously know what I'm talking about when I talk about apps, when they bring up app dating, I know I've, I've been there, I've done that. And I think that's kind of obvious because I don't have a lot of questions when they discuss it or what does this mean when you match? And so I can give a lot of recommendations based on my experiences, but I don't necessarily have to talk about how it's affected me. I haven't found that to be necessarily beneficial to the client at this point. I do self-disclose sometimes with other things when I find it necessary and to be helpful to the client. But in that instance, you know, I haven't really found it, found it yet. For instance, you know, I've been in a couple of long distance relationships and yet I haven't, I don't think I've had a client that has come to me with that specific issue yet. But that is something I think that if I ever did meet a client, that's a self-disclosure I actually think would be extremely helpful because that's a, a very difficult and complicated type of relationship that not a lot of people have experience in. And I think that it could be definitely helpful to know someone and talk to someone who has been through it. That, I like that distinction because I think oftentimes when we've been somewhere, we've done something, there's kind of that inherent knowledge that we have. And so you're indirectly self-disclosing about your dating history and that you do mm-hmm. understand the apps, you know what's going on. And so people can get a sense like, you know, she's, right. she understands me. She's, she's going to, she's going to lead me the right direction. I don't need to know about her dating history because that makes it about her. <laughs> right. You know, and I think that's exactly right. And, and the stuff that becomes more complex, oftentimes there's a little bit of self-disclosure that's needed. So people will take you seriously on it. And, you know, like, okay, yeah, she really does get what this long-term relationship thing's about. Because I think, general dating, relationships, that kind of stuff we can kind of indirectly disclose just by showing our knowledge. But the direct self-disclosure, I I would imagine with dating, a lot of direct self-disclosure would really make it about the therapist because it's such a personal and vulnerable thing to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody's, you know, personal experiences are different. So even I might be dating on Bumble, just like my client is, but our experiences could be totally different. The way we're approaching it is completely different. And, you know, I can't pretend to really understand what that specific client is going through because maybe it it goes into some of the other mental health issues that they're having. So, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Do you ever find yourself pulling out therapy techniques in order to further along the dating process or the match process to be like, <laughs> I, I know, I know how people need to read or I know how to respond. And I, I really like this, this potential partner. You ever find yourself doing that? Hmm. It's okay. If you say no, Kurt is just trying to incite something. I think. <laughs> I don't think so. No, Kurt. No. Mm-mm. Nice try though. <laughs> No, I just, you know, I try to be myself, you know, I do now tell people that I'm a therapist right, right away. And, you know, I've kind of crossed over that hump and I'm, I'm fine with it now. And if, if it, if people ask me, you know, about analyzing and all of that, you know, I always have the same response, you know, do you, do you analyze all your dates? Do you, are you analyzing me right now? And I always say, you know, everyone's always analyzing everyone. That's true. You know, you're, you're taking what I'm saying and you're wondering who I am as a person, where that comes from. And I'm doing the same to you. So, and that's okay. So everyone in the room is being a mini therapist. So I'm not special. We're all doing the same thing. That's how I try to just frame it now. I like that. Yeah. I think this, this has been really helpful. I really appreciate this. And to, to make sure I've hit all the pieces or taken everything in, it sounds like as a therapist, if you're if you're going into this work as a single person and you eventually want to date and have a relationship, wait if you can, be patient and mm-hmm. really get yourself squared away so that you've established yourself in the career so that, that you're not trying to add too many things at once. Right. When you're when you've got yourself your self-care aligned and you're professionally established, at least to a certain extent, then you know, enter the dating world. And if you create a dating app, make sure that it can still have a little bit of a professional flair to it so that you're not disclosing anything to potential clients inadvertently and really save the disclosures and the specific details for the in-person meetings, because that's where the authenticity happens. That's where the people will really get to know you. And that's, that's the important connection to make. And, and I think then really be very clear and, and it's okay to tell people you're a therapist because you know what, that's who you are. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Did I miss anything? No, and you said that so much better and more concise than I did. I love it. <laughs> it it's the whole summarizing skill as a therapist. <laughs> it was all you, just just me summarizing it. Melin, where can people find out more about you and your practice? They can go to my Wix site, which is uh, melinumo.wixsite.com. And I'm also, I have a professional Facebook page uh, under my name, Melin Umo. And we'll put that in the show notes so people can find you. Oh, and I'm, in, I'm located in the Carroll Gardens neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York. So um, I see people from all over Brooklyn and also Manhattan and Queens. As Katie mentioned, we'll include all of that in our show notes. You can find those on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. While you're on our website, check out the awesome Therapy Reimagined conference that we're having in October here in the Los Angeles area. Our platinum sponsor for that is Simple Practice, who is generously helping us put together two days, 14 continuing education units about building better therapists, crafting better clinicians, better ways for us to live, breathe, and practice as whole person therapists. And until next time, I'm Kurt Withhelm with Katie Vernoy and Malin Umo. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.
Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.